Well, God, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being able to come together as a church to, Lord God, through this technological means, Lord God, that we can um, hear the preaching of your word. But, Lord God, we thank you so much for your words that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord God, for the history of it. We thank you that we have it in our own languages. And Lord God, we thank you that you have directly spoken to us and that we can hear of you. Lord, we thank you too that you've not left us on our own. We thank you as we were thinking in Pathfinders today that Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit to us. And that Lord God, he, the person of the Trinity is living within us. We thank you that through your word, Lord God, he speaks to us. We thank you that through the preaching of your word, that he speaks to our hearts directly. And so we pray that today, Lord God, we ask of you that you would come to us, that Lord God, you would take your word and that you would speak to us directly, that you would bring it alive in our hearts, Lord God, and that we would, Lord, know you more and that we would love you more, that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, Lord God, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. And we pray that you would help Abiel as he preaches, Lord God, and that you'd be with him, that you'd um, give him the words to speak, Lord God, and that you would um, help him to bring your message to us. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Beth. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn with the book of Matthew. Um, we'll be in chapter 18. Um, and today, uh, just kind of um, the last four weeks, Chris has taken us through um, most of the chapter. And we've had opportunity to meditate on God's word. Um, but today I want to take us on kind of, um, I don't know, as a teacher, uh, you teach the material to your students and then comes test time, right? And so then there's like a review time. So you could think of today as um, kind of an overview, but really I wanna see, um, help, help us all see and hear um, a composite picture of what Jesus is really doing at this point in his ministry. And so we're gonna be camping out in chapter 18 and kind of take a big picture view of it uh, this, this evening. Um, so, um, Matthew 18, uh, pr prior to this, um, just to remember, uh, Jesus has had some uh, tremendously intimate, personal, um, top secret almost, conversations with his disciples. Uh, they were on the mountain in Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, and uh, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And there, um, Jesus made a promise. He said, I will build my church, uh, and the gates of hell will not uh, stand or prevail against it. So Jesus made a promise. And right after that, he predicted his death and resurrection. And we walked through that and how Peter just couldn't fit that into his mind. Um, after this, uh, 
Jesus said, you know, I have a cross to bear. This is God's plan. This is God's blueprint. Um, you have a cross to bear as well. Uh, okay. Sorry, I had technical difficulties for a moment. But then Jesus revealed himself on the Mount of, uh, a different mountain, <laughs> the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, again, it's Peter. Uh, Peter is there. This meeting is being recorded. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure that was done. And no worries. Thanks, Chris. Um, and yeah, just so you know, guys, we're, we're just keeping the audio. So, um, uh, so again, uh, Peter is on another mountain. There's a mountain, Caesarea Philippi, another mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, and Jesus reveals himself in Revelation chapter 1 glory. Uh, and uh, Peter speaks, again is rebuked, this time not by God the Son, but by God the Father. <laughs> um, but uh, in this section, it seems like Peter is everywhere. Um, Peter, in, in, at the end of the chapter 17, um, they're in Peter's house, uh, 1725. And so... When we get to 18, um, it's really important to remember uh, these events as Jesus begins to teach his disciples. And uh, uh, just prior to the tax um, that, that Chris preached on several weeks ago, um, Jesus made his second prediction of his death and resurrection. And so uh, Jesus um, is uh, focused on his coming passion. And the question, you know, the context for Jesus' teaching in this fourth discourse is, um, is that. He, he's focused on his coming passion. But what are the disciples focused on? They're focused on selfish ambition. And so um, I just want to look at the, the chapter as a whole, um, chapter 18. And it all starts with this question, who is the greatest? And so... Um, before we look at the text, I just want to think of an image, a picture. Um, I don't know, have you ever seen a, uh, a scroll, uh, a blueprints? Um, I've seen some, uh, some rough sketches in my lifetime come, ac come across blueprints for uh, construction projects. And so in this chapter, Jesus is, is kind of giving the blueprints of the kingdom. And he's showing us uh, what it means, what it looks like, to be a kingdom community. Um, in, in 16, uh, Jesus said for the first time, I will build my church. And he again mentions the word church in chapter 18. But uh, we might hear this word, and if I, if I told everyone right now, uh, get out a piece of paper uh, and a pencil or markers, and let's draw a house, okay? Um, and we all would probably come up with very different uh, drawings. Yeah, but Jesus has a plan. He has a construction uh, for his kingdom. And uh, all of this comes uh, to bear. He reveals this just one year or less than one year prior to his p passion, his death and resurrection. So he's determined to spend concentrated time with his disciples and away from the popular uh, pressures and crowds. And um, and Jesus has selected these men uh, 
they will be his legacy, his leaders, his mobilizers in his great kingdom. Uh, and, and, and Jesus is in, inaugurating his kingdom through his death and resurrection. So Jesus sets forth uh, different attitudes, uh, attitudinal qualities that must govern their practices of leadership and their relationships with one another and their approach to outsiders. And so kind of the composite we're going to see here in this, this overview of 18 is uh, humility, generosity, seriousness, purity, compassion for the lost, reconciliation, forgiveness, prayerful agreement, and unity. And so let's look at the text. I will read it um, as a whole and uh, try to move quickly through it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, uh, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? 
Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So again, uh, Jesus' focus is his coming passion, and the disciples' focus is kingdom status. Jesus says, I'm going to die, and then I will rise. I am going to walk the path of humiliation before exaltation. And the disciples say, who's the greatest? So in response to this question, Jesus goes into all this teaching, and he talks about heart attitudes in the kingdom of God among the community of believers, the disciples. So an application question for us, um, and I'll just try to quickly go through an overview of the chapter. Um, does your focus, does my focus uh, make sense in light of the cross? Jesus is focused on his death and resurrection. Are my goals, are my, uh, is my focus, <laughs> I won't say ambition, but um, am I aiming for the same thing that Jesus is? Or uh, are, are our uh, goals and focus at a cross purposes with, with Christ? So are we tried, trying to achieve something that's different than what Jesus is doing in the world? Um, it's a great reflective question. So Jesus gave an object lesson, a lesson, uh, and that being a child, uh, some people think this might have been Peter's child because they were in Peter's house in Capernaum, and then the conversation continues. It could have been. It's, it's speculation. But his lesson, the object lesson, is humble yourself like a child to enter and attain greatness in the kingdom, not greatness in terms of status, but greatness in terms of meeting divine approval, having your heavenly Father's approval, pleasing your Father in heaven. And so we're called to be child 
like in the kingdom of God, uh, not childish, not naive, not uh, playfully foolish, um, not irresponsible, but childlike. And one application um, is for us to study and imitate those good qualities of the children around us. And I've had this opportunity as a new father. Um, I am amazed. I get to see in the eyes of this beautiful uh, new uh, baby boy um, every day. And uh, sometimes I look into his eyes when he's crying and just hysterical. And I'm like, Daddy's here. Daddy's here. It's okay. And how much of the time am I like my son? Um, I, I don't understand the reality of what God is doing and that he is with me and I forget these things um, and I can just rest in his arms. So we're called to be childlike in those uh, uh, simple qualities uh, that God has for us in this object lesson. Of course, an object lesson is not enough for these disciples, uh, but it's a beginning, it's a start. They quickly forget this lesson in chapter 19. Uh, we'll get to that next week. The children will come to Jesus and they'll say, send them away, send them away. And uh, Jesus will be angered by the way they treat the children uh, who would come to him and he blesses them. So we need to be aware of our kingdom attitudes, um, our attitudes, because, because God has a kingdom and a lot of times when we think God is building something, he's not building a building per se, but he's, he's building his kingdom through our lives. And each and every one of us is a stone uh, in his kingdom, a living stone. Uh, Peter would say, Peter here, Peter would say in his uh, epistle, First uh, Peter 2, living stones. And so God is building his kingdom through our lives. And so he penetrates and talks about our hearts. And so... We see here um, a bunch of C's. Uh, we see a child. Uh, then we see taking extreme care um, in the heart of Christ, the heart of a shepherd. So being very careful with disciples, uh, with our brothers and sisters, with people. Maybe, maybe there's people who are in the church who are not yet, uh, have not yet given their hearts fully or, um, or professed faith outwardly yet. Uh, but they're making progress and they're drawing near to, to God and they're interested, we need to be very careful that we don't despise someone. Maybe they say something like, well, that's not in the Bible, uh, and, and, and they feel embarrassed in a life group or something. Um, we need to be very careful with one another. We're all um, resilient in a sense, but also fragile, and that's where, that's where the necessity of um, forgiveness uh, comes in at the end of this chapter. And so moving forward, um, Jesus gave, as, as, as we heard in these last weeks, a severe warning to not cause offense to his disciples. Um, and sin is serious. Um, we need to look at it first. Jesus shows us to look at it first in ourselves. Uh, sin is serious. Remove it. Uh, and he uses this hyperbole, uh, as we heard, several weeks back. But we need to be careful for sins that are subtle, uh, like pride, uh, exclu exclus uh, exclusivity, and sectarianism. Sorry, those words are too big for me right now. Um, causing divisions, you know, through our, the things that we're, 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 
we're passionate about. Um, uh, we need to be very careful in our uh, conversations with one another and how we treat one another. We need to be careful with looking down. We, we looking down on one another. Um, that there's no place for that in Jesus' kingdom community. So an application for us is to guard our hearts, to guard our lips, to guard our hands and our feet. And Jesus uses a, a sword with it. He says, cut it off if it's in there. And so he wants us to take sin very seriously. So again, looking at our heart uh, individually. And then next, corporately. We saw that last week. We need... Um, we see children as an object lesson in extreme care. Uh, the heart of Christ to go after those who are going astray, like the heart of a shepherd. And next, uh, what we heard last week, courage to rebuke and humility to forgive. It takes a lot of courage to confront our brother or sister in love. And we need to be careful about it. And Jesus shows us a process here of, of keeping it private and small before taking it before the church. Um, and there's wisdom, uh, as, as Chris shared with us, if, if we can overlook it, an offense, as Proverbs said, we should do so. But sometimes we need to address it. And so the reason for that is that loving unity of the kingdom community commends the gospel and has power to arrest the intention, attention of the world. If we have a church that's healthy and the way we treat one another, um, we have love and unity, that's attractive to those on the outside. But the opposite is true as well. If we have a spoiled community where there's tolerance of moral impurity, um, if there's a refusal for reconciliation, if there's a lack of forgiveness uh, among members, and um, you know, a gracelessness that's going to be very unattractive to the world. So we need to pray for courage and also humility in the church as individuals and as fa a family of believers. So finally, we come to the last uh, parable, if you will. Peter again speaks, and he is being extremely generous. Jesus is talking about the heart. Um, he's talking about these qualities of leadership, uh, relational qualities, relationships are almost king within the kingdom. Jesus is king, but uh, relationships are extremely important uh, in the church and in our lives. And so humility, generosity. Um, Peter says, okay, the rabbis of the day used to say, uh, if someone offended you and sinned against you three times, then halas, be, be finished with him. And so Peter says, what about seven times? Now imagine this, you know, I've got to keep a list of how many offenses people make against me. So I've known Jasper for, I think, five years, maybe, four or five years. Uh, and Jasper, you still got seven, you have seven left, you know. J Jasper's never offended me. But Eunice, on the other hand, wow, she's on number five, you know. Uh, and David, wow, he's on number, just kidding, six and a half, no. Um, so imagine if you had to keep a list of how many times your brother or sister offended you. And Jesus says there's no list. He says 77 times, Peter. 
um, this is the heart of the king, this is the heart of the kingdom. And so Jesus wants all of us to be like him. And Jesus is going to the cross and, and the disciples just don't get it yet. They're, they're like, who's the greatest? And Jesus like, I'm going to die for you. And so um, th- this is an amazing parable when we understand the way Jesus tells stories. Um, he says 10,000 talents, which is, I, I did the calculation. I'm not the best uh, mathematician, but 6 billion US dollars, which is about 1.8 billion KD. So he said there's a man, he owed a debt of 10,000 talents, 1.8 billion KD, or 200,000 years of work. So I imagine Jesus telling his story and they're like, whoa, how did he get that kind of debt? Did he like, I mean, you, you guys probably saw the news story a couple months ago where the, the ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and they were saying like millions of dollars per day were being cut off. So maybe they accrued a debt of, of $1.8 billion, but I don't know how to even do that. But Jesus uses this and he says, the man had the debt and he pleads for patience. And he said, I'll pay it off, which sounds ridiculous. And the king forgave him. And then, then he had a man who had a debt for him and he owed him a hundred denarii, which is about four months wages for uh, a day, day laborer. And so it's still a lot of money. I don't know, maybe 2000 KD or something. Again, I'm not the best mathematician, but the point of this parable is this, the father will, and Jesus doesn't mix words, the father will severely judge his servants who having experienced God, his unlimited forgiveness and do not forgive from the heart those who sin against them. And so, Wow, Um, Jesus has a kingdom community and he has blueprints and plans and you and me, we're on the paper. Um, Jesus wants to build a beautiful church and he is doing that. He said, the gates of hell will not stand against it. Um, But he includes us and it penetrates deeply because the marks on Jesus page of his blueprints are have to do with our attitudes, our relationships. Uh, our humility, generosity, seriousness, purity, compassion for the lost, reconciliation, forgiveness, prayerful agreement, unity, and even more. Uh, But the, the community of believers, the kingdom of God, is a redeemed community that is redemptive, a redemptive community as well. And so um, I just want to close in prayer. And I was reading this uh, yesterday or the day before from Ezekiel, um, chapter 36. God promises this. Uh, It's his covenant, his new covenant. And he says this, I will sprinkle them uh, clean with water, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And so... um, 
Yeah, Jesus, his, his uh, kingdom is one that addresses the matters of the heart. And um, the last one he ended up with was forgiveness. And that can be extremely hard, uh, extremely hard. But when we remember how much God has forgiven us, in that, and staring and beholding the cross, uh, we have power in our lives to forgive those who've offended us and hurt us deeply. Uh, six years ago, I'll end with this story. Uh, six years ago, June 17, 2015, uh, a young man walked into a church in South Carolina where I was living at the time, just prior to coming to Kuwait. Um, and he walked into a Bible study and he sat in the Bible study with the people and then he proceeded to take out a, a gun and he killed nine members of that Bible study. He was hoping to start a race war um, and this act of terrible, this atro atrocious act um, uh, was grieved but very soon after some of the family members came forward and addressed uh, the perpetrator um, via like a video um, trial. And so the daughter spoke, a husband spoke, a mother spoke, and a granddaughter and a sister spoke. And so I just want to read to you um, out of this painful, painful situation how they responded. Uh, this is the daughter of Ethel Lance, who was murdered. She speaks to um, the assailant, I forgive you. You took something really precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her hand again. Uh, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. It hurts me. It hurts a lot of people, but God forgive you and I forgive you. A husband of Myra Thompson said this, I forgive you and my family forgives you. We would like you to take this opportunity to repent, repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ, so he can change your ways no matter what happens to you and you'll be okay. Do that and you'll be better off than you are right now. Um, a mother, uh, the mother of Taiwanza Sanders said this, we welcomed you Wednesday night into our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautiful people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts and I will never be the same. Taiwanza was my hero, but as they say in the Bible study, we enjoyed you, but may God have mercy on your soul. The granddaughter of Daniel Simmons said this, although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, Everyone's plea for your soul is proof that they lived and loved and their legacies will live in love. I want to thank the court for making sure that hate doesn't win. And the sister of DePayne Middleton Doctor said this, I'm a work in progress and I acknowledge that I'm very angry. She taught me that we are the family that love built. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. I also thank God. Let's pray. Um, gracious God and Heavenly Father, uh, thank you uh, that to be in your kingdom is to be a transformed person. And I pray that you would help us to embody these qualities. The disciples are focused on the wrong things, on kingdom status, 
when you're going to the cross. But you, even in that, are patient with them and teach them and guide them that you want to change their hearts so that they can see to be humble and to be like a shepherd and to be generous and to be forgiving and to be courageous, to, to be uh, serious about their own sin and courageous to confront that of others in love. And finally, to forgive, uh, to have great courage and um, to understand uh, the debt that you have, you have paid. And uh, Father, that you have forgiven our unpayable sin debt. And so we are to forgive others every time. I pray for grace to live uh, Christ-like in this world. And in our church at CIC, I pray that you would strengthen our relationships with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. The recording has stopped. <laughs> it's stuff, I'll be able. Praise Abiel, God. Thank you. It's great. Yeah. Something powerful we ought to remember. So does anyone have, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, does anyone have an update or anything you'd like to share? Um, kind of more informally now. <laughs> No, I think.